Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a Photog adventure of your own. It's episode 88. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everybody. Today, we are joined by Drew Armstrong. Hey, Drew. Hey, how's it going, guys? Going well. So we have a quick couple of announcements, and then Drew and Brendan are going to talk about their trip they had a rescue situation. They had an awesome new experience in Escalante, including what you're saying, slot canyons, right? Yeah, some slot canyon They're exploring. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we got to get to that, and I've got pneumonia. I'm going to take a back seat to this podcast, but I want to get started with a quick announcement of our July, no, our June Milky Way contest winners. If you didn't see the Facebook post where we went live with our Facebook admins and we judged all of the submissions, or we judged the five finalists of the submissions, and of those, we had a tie for first, really, because those pictures were pretty fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were great. So the final two, D.A. Tate won and Jeff Pritchard won. Mm -hmm. And Jeff Pritchard won with a shot that looked like a Ted Gore Milky Way because of his monochromatic, his color theme. Everything looked fantastic, and the Milky Way was perfect. Yeah, it was just a beautiful image. Both of them were beautiful images. We just really appreciated the the contest, the contestants that were submitting. Thank you very much, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. The D.A. Tate's had a really beautiful blue color. Emotionally, it stood out to all of us throughout the entire judging. Yeah, yeah. Both of them just, I mean, Jeff Pritchard's was awesome because it was also very rural. It was a dirt, you know, road with a nice little hut, copper colors all around. It was just a beautiful image. And then D.A. Tate's was just great because the balance that she had between the light of the fence and the dark you know, Milky Way and everything like just just really worked together really well. Good good competition, good compositions on both of them. Yeah, absolutely. She went in a little bit lower to the ground to bring off the background mountains from the fence line, and so she really thought it through. Awesome stuff. So, congrats on winning the June Milky Way contest. Reminder that we have an August Milky Way contest going, and it's right now August 11th. So. I think we've announced it during that live feed, but not since. So just know that, you guys, any Milky Way images you get here in August, what was the theme? There was a certain theme, wasn't there? It was Milky Way with motion. Yes. Whether it's car trails or some other kind of motion, cloud motion, something like that. So Milky Way with motion in the composition. And if you guys get a good Milky Way shot and have clouds in your sky... No matter what you do, you'll have motion in the clouds mm-hmm. because of the shutter. So we're just wanting to leave it open to you. You can do car trails, light trails. You can do steel wool. You could do LED lights. You could do anything that adds a little extra motion to your timed exposure. Yeah, that's going to be sweet. could be anywhere you want to go. Submit that. On the Facebook um, Photog Adventures listeners group, there's going to be an album if there's not already. Any admin listening to this right now, if there isn't an album already, please add that for August. So, yeah. Fantastic job, D.A. Tate and Jeff Pritchard. You guys won the last contest. Let's see who wins the August contest. Now, you're winning a Royce Bear ebook for Milky Way Nightscape, so you get your own copy of that. Jeff Pritchard already had a copy of that, so i got to hook him up with something else better, like a hat. Maybe a hat, yeah. I think a hat. Jeff deserves a hat. He deserves maybe three of them. So that is a great opportunity for you to show off your photography. But now, let's talk about something that maybe you are on the fence of 
joining us in doing and this year you thought about it but you didn't do it, Milky Way Workshops. We're announcing our 2019 Milky Way Workshops on Sunday. So by the end of Sunday, the announcement will be out there only to those who are on the workshop alert. So those of you who've been on the workshop alert for, I don't know, the whole year actually, I've had people on there for a year and a half. So how do you get on the workshop uh, workshop alert? Good question. You can go to workshopalert.photogadventures.com. So that's all one word, workshopalert.photogadventures.com if you're not on the list already. And so what we're gonna do on Sunday is send out an email to everyone on that alert. And to thank you guys for that alert, we're doing a flash sale. We're gonna try and get workshops organized right off from the bat, and so we're having a seven day, $150 off flash sale. So for those of you who have been awesome to be on the alert and are looking to join us, and you're really excited about joining us for 2019, we're gonna have Milky Way workshops in Escalante again, Goblin Valley, Goosenecks and Natural Bridges again, Crater Lake and Bandon again. We're also adding the two night workshops so that they're cost effective and people can join us for two nights of Milky photography if they're local in the area, if it works out for them to go on that weekend just it, it, it's a little bit easier than a four night plan where you have to fly in your five six nights out with us so it takes a while of your time to do a four night workshop but the two night workshop hopefully will accommodate some of you so right now as it stands the purchasing price will be $150 off from Sunday to the following Sunday. And that means that you, when you go to pay your deposit to you know, lock down your slot and register for that workshop, you have to pay um, something like $750, $650, $650, $600, those prices to just lock down your slot for all these workshops. When you go in now, during that week, if you're paying attention to the alerts, you'll have $150 off, and so to lock down any of the workshops, it'll be 600, 500, 600, 450. So these two-night workshops that are 650 and 600, they're just completely discounted. So if you wanna go with us to Oregon Coast and do a Milky Way off of the coast of Oregon, instead of paying $600, you'll be paying 450 only for that two-night workshop. And you get the entire experience all together. It's fantastic. 450 is a really good price, honestly. So maybe- It's a killer deal. Maybe those two-night workshops will sell pretty well for this one week, and so that'll be awesome. Mm -hmm. So if you guys pay attention to that alert from Sunday, this coming Sunday, which I'm recording the podcast on Saturday the 11th, so the 12th until the 19th, you'll have a chance to get the workshop $150 off, and then you guys can join us for a Milky Way workshop next year. So the locations and the dates will be announced through that alert, and then after that alert, after Sunday, they'll go back to their full price, and we'll sell them throughout now until they happen. So thanks, guys, who joined us for the workshops this year. Brendan and I leave Monday with our last workshop for Milky Way workshops, and it's going to be Goblin Valley, Goosenecks, Natural Bridges, and our group. We're so stoked to be with them. They're all actually here in Utah already. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited to meet these guys and the three more friends. And then Chuck's joining us from Florida. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And so we're excited for these guys to come and join us. And uh, yeah, it'll be the last workshop we do this year for Milky, for Milky Way. Way. And then we head off the Pharaohs uh, next month. <laughs> and after that, we're going to take a break for fall, do personal photography. And maybe some one-on-ones if you guys contact us directly. That's true. That's a good point. So awesome. Last thing I want to do before I hand over my pneumonia-ridden mic to Brendan is the Astrophotog podcast. I did a – I had medicine. I was also trying to cough and edit out all my coughs. And as I was editing, I realized – 
there's a couple parts that I just rambled and I cut them entirely out because they weren't worth it. Unfortunately, cutting them out in the middle, the beginning and the end consistently cut out the part where I talked about the earth grazers and the radiant in more detail. And so I just want to quickly add in for the earth grazers. What's happening is it's early in the night when the radiant is low because the all of the meteors come from that radiant location because of the orbit of the comet that's coming through our solar system. So it has a point in our sky that it's always going to come from. And so when that radiant is low on your horizon as the night is young, you're going to have meteors that if they ever do show up, they are literally glancing off our atmosphere. They're grazing us barely. And so that angle causes these earth grazers and allows for the opportunity. They don't happen every time. But right now, tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday, they're it's this is the moment. This is the peak of the Perseid meteor shower. And if you're out before midnight, you have a chance to see these earth grazers that just come barreling across. They go slower than most meteors you see, and they are more colorful and bright and vivid. And so if you get lucky, get lucky to see an earth grazer, you'll be only able to do that in the early hours of your evening. After midnight, wherever you are on the earth, the radiance up higher and you start to see more meteors because the radiant now is not hitting the side of the earth and going away and you can't see it. It's up high in the sky and every meteor coming off of that, you're going to see those flashes. You're going to see them. And so that's why it peaks up and you get 50 to 100 meteors every hour or every minute. I'm sorry. That's the crazy thing is you get 50 to 100 an hour, which almost puts down one or two a minute. So it's really nuts, really fun. Brendan and I saw it insane at Bryce Canyon two years. So if you can get out and join us, get out there in the dark sky, if you can avoid smoke and you can avoid clouds, you're going to be able to see the cool meteor shower. Oh, that's awesome. It's going to be fantastic. So there we go. That's enough for Aaron King. Now I'm just going to comment on what your guys' stories are and give the mic over to Brendan. Nice. Okay. So we're going to, so Drew and I um, had arranged with Aaron originally to go to Escalante Aaron got even more sick, had to bail on us, and so Drew and I were planning on going with just uh, just us two and his son. But then his son also bailed on us, so it ended up just being Turkey. Drew and I. We did two days in Escalante, two nights. Yeah, two nights. Two nights. Kind and of uh, two and a half days or something. Now. Yeah, yeah. So day one was just driving there. I mean... Oh yeah, and it was there. everything's burning in the west right now, and we're I mean we're getting smoke the way the the smoke patterns come up with the California fires that are going on right now are uh, really screwing up our skies up here. But not only that, we've mm -hmm. got a whole bunch. I mean, all of our local fire department is down in California. So now we have wildfires starting And now here, we have them here. And we don't have enough support to... Oh, it's, it's, it's just, just terrible. It, so we were, we, as we were driving down, we're, we keep looking up at the sky going, is it going to yeah, clear? Yeah. Is it going to clear? For two hours, it's it was even worse. It? Like, it was so much haze. It was yeah. bad. It was terrible. So, so the yeah. closer we got to Escalante, though, the more it got uh, clear. And actually, the sky cleared up quite a bit. And we got talking and we kind of missed a turn and, and went and got to go a different way that, that normally is a little further, which was really beautiful. We, we went up through, what was that, Red Canyon? Yeah. It well, was, we go through Bryce. Normally, that's the way to yeah, go. Yeah, but we, we cut a little bit later, and so we went up the other way and, and got to look up over there. And that, that There's yeah. some beautiful country down there. Yeah, there really from is. like Hatch instead of Hangwich? We, we went past Brian Head. Yeah, we want. Yeah, so so was it was um saw the 
damage from the fire that was up there. Oh, too. yeah. Oh my gosh. Terrified. It was terrible. Like, so yeah, up, that was up, a year up ago. by Brian Head, it's called um, Cedar Breaks. Cedar Breaks. Yeah, I'm just oh, got a brain fart. <laughs> so Cedar Breaks is a really cool area. It's like a mini version of Bryce in a lot of ways. That the you get the red and the white rocks and the and the the strata lines like you know stacking on top of each other just just beautiful. Yeah, it was it was it was a neat drive to actually go a, a different way. I. When I, you know, a few years ago, I used to ATV up in there all the time. Yeah, yeah, and, you were saying And that. so we'd, we'd go down to a place called Mary's Vale, and um, there's the there's the large, the longest AT, public ATV trail in the United States. It, the The trail system is out of Mary's Vale there, and oh. you can ride all the way down to to Cedar Breaks, and then uh, then go up to Circleville, and then circle back over to uh, Mary's Vale. Or I mean, there there's just so much area. I mean, if you spent a week, you wouldn't cover all the trail. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah, so it's that's really fun. cool. So you just go out, and it's just a big old um, recreational area, basically. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been up there, but I mean, you know, you go everything. It's cool because the with the mountains there, you know, you you what amazing diversity in the scenery you get oh, yeah. the stuff that's yeah. like bryce where you get these hoodoos and red canyons and then you go into you know pine forests and then down into sagebrush and desert and, and right. you see everything but it's an amazing place if anybody's into atvs that uh, mary's look up mary's vale utah that's like kind of the nexus of of all atving um, nice out here but anyhow so then then we we drove down we stopped um, around the edge of uh, of Bryce there, just for a second, we mm-hmm. did a pit stop at the at Fan- was it Fantasy Canyon? It's not Fantasy Canyon. It was the um, the uh, the Mossy Cove. Mossy Cove. Yeah, there. yeah. It, it was it's beautiful. I mean, it's it, yeah. I and you know the truth is is I never seen that side of Bryce because we always just go right in the front door. You know exactly. So Fantasy Canyon is the top of Bryce, which is a free area, and then mm-hmm. same with Mossy Cove, which is at the other side of the canyon. Fairy tale. Fairyland Can- Fairyland Fairyland Canyon or Fairyland Point? I think it's Fairyland Point, but it's Fairyland because Fantasy Canyon is over that's, there by Vernal. That's true. Oh, yeah. What right. am I saying? Yeah. It's Fairyland. Yeah, Fairyland is is a free part of Verizon, and so is the Mossy Cove. And so you don't need to pay an entrance to go in there. You just can just drive up park and walk around, and it's pretty cool. And it was cool. I, I would love to do that again when um, the Mossy Cove area is all frozen, though. Oh yeah, I, I I totally want to go back and hit that. It's a short little hike, mm-hmm. and you go up there, and they've got this big, you know, undercut. Which I, you know, a million years from now, it'll be a big arch probably. But, right, right. But but right now, it has this water that drips off of a what's a, a start of an arch formation, and and uh, I've seen some of the pictures of that all frozen up, and I, I I'd love to stop by there again if I. If I end up going down there more in the wintertime. But. Yeah, because I've been to Mossy Cove a couple times, but it's only been during, yeah, like the dry season. Or I went in June one year, and it was actually still flowing pretty well. Yeah, and you didn't get Giardia, so that's a good thing. And I didn't get, yeah, Giardia, but I did, because I did drink the water. And uh, <laughs> ill-advised from my father-in-law, but I still did it. And uh, <laughs> That's your father-in-law. you got to be a little <laughs> bit rebellious there. <laughs> He's a good guy. Um but uh, yeah, to go there when it's frozen would be fantastic because as long as there's like some rainfall and there's always something coming down that, there's even water trickling down when we were there. Yeah. And, you know, and it was middle of the summer and it was just so dry and there's still water flowing. So wintertime, 
would be fantastic. But that's about when we noticed that the skies are clearing up, which right. was awesome. And so we were going, I mean, it was like this huge sense of relief. It's like, okay, we drove down here like three hours already. And then we're looking up at the sky and it's finally clearing up after three mm-hmm. hours of driving going, I don't know if this is just going to be a total bust, but yeah, it, it, it started clearing up and we started getting excited but uh, then we then we drove from there and we, you go down what's that through Tropic and yeah you go through Tropic and Cannonville and then uh, so yeah. we pull into Escalante get ourselves registered get some dinner and then we went out to um, to Devil's Garden yeah Devil's Garden night. was the first stop first night and this is your first time there yeah. right first time in Escalante so um, Aaron and I are pretty familiar with Devil's Garden it's great because you just pull right up. And then you just start, you walk out like 500 feet and you can start taking photos. I mean, it's just nuts. It's interesting that there's so many formations that are right there. Yeah. And it's sure as heck, I mean, you know, I mean, you could probably do that. You're going to beat your car. We, we have a Durango, (laughs) but, um, and and the Durango's great for something like this, but, uh, some of those other areas like the The next day. Yeah, I the went, dirt road was so much worse. It was it's, bad. It oh, it was just, uh, horrible. It was really bad. Are you talking like, uh, just In general, like washboard the washboarding was really bad. The washboarding wasn't, I mean, it, it was bad. We could get our speed up to where, you know, you don't feel the washboarding. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, if you don't watch it, you're in the mud. middle of like, I mean, I mean, it's like you the hit tracks, right? Oh, huge mud. bumps. Oh, I mean, I mean, we're probably bad. getting air one time. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm worried that the tires are going to pop on the car because you, you speed up to where you're going over the top of the washboards without feeling that too mm-hmm. bad. Oh, and man. then all of a sudden you hit these bumps that I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to get. <laughs> and, uh, and the stuff's flying I don't, the back. Yeah, and- I don't know if the car got air, but uh, the <laughs> Drone is flying around in the back of the, all our bags are hitting the ceiling in the back. It was bad. Oh, geez. yeah, it was. And you're on a Volkswagen Adventure, so you're gonna lose a tire. Of course, you're gonna lose a tire. But we didn't. It was. Oh, you're driving to... Drew's car. Yeah, <laughs> we're safe. Well, yeah. that's not always been the case. That's true. <laughs> I made Brent's car lose a tire, and I was just in the passenger seat. <laughs> that's true. So, do you think that's why it was also a, a ghost town up there? They mentioned to me before the podcast. I don't know if you guys were gonna talk about this on there, but it was kind of a ghost town in Escalante. Do you think just conditions over we, – we haven't gone there in August before. And so I wonder conditions typically are worse, and so people don't often go there then either. I don't think people necessarily know about the road conditions, but it is it's just the fact that it's just so hot. Freaking uh, I mean, it was hot. like 95 degrees was like the average daily temperature. And when you're out there at 95 degrees and it's all just rock around you, it's flipping hot, you know? <laughs> Oven baking. But, yeah. but, you know, here's the thing is that, I mean, the truth is, is it's probably the perfect time to do Milky Way photography. Oh, yeah. Because you walk around naked. It, you know, yeah. I mean, it's like 78 degrees yeah, yeah, in the middle it, of the night. True. So, so, yeah, <laughs> three o'clock. Country, if you're a nudist <laughs> and you love Milky Way photography, this is the perfect time to go. Speaking of nudists, we'll talk about Hartley later. Uh, <laughs> But, but no, we, I mean, we're, we're out there and it is three o'clock in the morning and it's about 77 degrees. Mm-hmm. It was so nice. I mean, so just, we had, I yeah. mean, I had to take my shirt off for one of our lights to be covered up. We needed an extra diffuser. And it was just like, no big deal. It's like, it felt so nice. To the waist? Uh-huh. Yeah. And <laughs> it was totally fine. It felt great. Actually. It was fantastic. So your pit, your pecs saw the Milky Way for the first time. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, I don't know if it was the first time, but yeah. 
it, it was cool. So we get out there and it's literally, I mean, for me, I'm going, oh, look at that. And then you walk around the corner. Oh, look at that. We could put that in the floor. Oh, what? what's that? There's another arch over there. There's there's Medaid arch over there. There's, what's that other big one? I don't know the name. The, 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 I mean, there are hoodoos and arches. And, and the wizard's hats we pass. And then there's, I mean, there's just all kinds of and, and it, I mean, you're walking 15 minutes and you see like 10 different um, you know, foregrounds that you would love to shoot. Oh, yeah. we, we literally don't have enough time to set the lights up and take them down that much. No, no. So we, we went to the, the, the four brothers or, or as Royce likes to call them, the Easter Island of Escalante. And, uh, we set up a light there. We probably spent about a half an hour setting up lights, mm-hmm. trying to figure out which is going to look best. We ended up using a big boulder that was, um, behind mm-hmm. us. So we were behind the boulder and the four brothers and we ended up turning the light around and flashing it bright up against that boulder. And it just back and it just like, so we're doing bounce, light bounce, we're doing bounce lighting and it was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> and then we did some rim light from the other side. So I went around the back and that's what I took my shirt off for is that light was a little too bright. <laughs> and so I put my white shirt over that. I was wearing my vote for Pedro shirt. So it ended up working out just great. <laughs> and so, um, put that on over the light and just made some adjustments. Then after about a half an hour or so of back and forth and walking around, and then we could just move around freely. We walked yeah. around there for about an hour and a half, I think. Yeah, it, just shooting like crazy. And and the the thing that we did, I mean, the you know the Milky Way at this point is totally vertical. Oh and, yeah, yeah, and, it started vertical, yeah, which is really cool. Um, but we we moved in time that the core was still up, mm-hmm. and we decided that what we were going to do is adjust the lights a little bit, and we moved a lot closer to where the the formation these these uh easter island statue kind of looking formations mm-hmm. were right in front of us and we and then we moved over to the side a little bit so there's like three in a group and then there's one other one that kind of ends up in the side and and man you know i really like that that formation a lot better oh yeah it kind of put the core behind the formation a little bit yeah but it it's you know i've looked at those pictures those those pictures from that night are my favorite pictures they were an angle that i've never done before because i've never been to escalante in august it was really cool to see how different the milky way was because normally we go in the spring and the milky way Total is just arch. arching right over the top right and so you're getting all these different angles uh, from the, you know, my directions are so turned around because I thought that the moon was rising from the north. Oh, yeah. I mean, I shock. thought I was facing east and I must have been facing like south and I was just completely disoriented when the moon rose. Uh, I thought it was going to rise like in front of us. Yeah. And it was re- and it was behind like, us. I'm what? like, what am I? I'm like, what is going on? I feel like so disoriented. Yeah. I just don't know which way I was di- I was facing and it was just so nuts. It was, so, yeah, it was super fun. And we, we, okay, so we did that for quite a while. And then we said, oh, we ought to do one more composition. Oh, yeah. And so we went over and we did Metate Arch. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, it, we got a couple going one direction just because it was actually looking pretty cool from the one direction, but we didn't really have the Milky Way in it. And then we flipped right. around and did the other way. And I got some really nice ones from, from that direction as well. There, there are a couple little weird cubbies where you could go stuff a light in them, and we had a lot of lights with us, so yeah, we had yeah. the ability to to do whatever we wanted. We've got a, I, I've got a couple of loom cubes and then a couple of panels as well, and so we uh, we we had the ability to really kind of be a little flexible with our our lighting overall, which was really fun. Yeah, there's kind of like a, an advantage or disadvantage of having too, having too many lights. I mean, 
it's really easy to try to light everything mm-hmm. and then you have a dark spot and you're like ah everything else is lit and you want to light that dark spot too and it's hard to find the right balance i think sometimes whereas I if like you're limited to just two lights it's yeah, sometimes that, that's true. simpler but it's fun to stick the light in different places and we we did a lot of backlighting, a lot of bounce lighting and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. but those two little loom cubes down stuffed in those holes were yeah. were cool. You you got yeah. these real hot orange or red areas where it's almost like that's a little furnace in there or something like that. I, I like the effect when I yeah. came back and started doing the processing. Of, yeah, I mean it looks like, like, like maybe that. a little campfire is out the base kind of thing uh-huh. and has that little orange yellow glow to it. So we were doing that. That was fun. And when we then we started walking out of there, and the moon screwed Brendan up, and we walked the wrong way for a little bit. But you're never very far away from the parking lot at that point. No, we had walked in the wrong direction for maybe like a minute or two, and then I was just like, "Wait a minute, this doesn't look right." So we turned around and got our bearings. It, yeah, but back then we were and, walking back yeah. to the car, and I was startled for a second because i was like what's that a mouse or something yeah. and there's mice there i mean i saw yeah, a mouse you, poop in that one little cove well and when i'm driving back you see little mice all over the mm-hmm. the road but i was shocked when i finally realized that oh, i'm looking at a frog yeah it wasn't a to- i grew up with toads i grew up with desert yeah. toads so i know it wasn't a toad because toads you have like the bumpy bubbly like blistery backs well you picked this, this little guy totally up smooth. and he's like smooth and clammy cold yeah how, where is there a river that's down close to there? I mean, how is he? I don't know how he's even. You know what? There alive. is a river There's in water. the gulch, but it's so far from there. I think that wow. that oh, he must have. I mean, we saw big crickets. Yeah, I've seen black crickets, and I saw some beetles and some other um, like uh, tan crickets, uh-huh. khaki crickets, and so um, he's got a food source for sure. But it yeah. was very surprising to see him just hanging around in the dirt. It looked like kind of like a tree frog almost. And he's about the size of like a racquetball. Yeah. But he's white with big black eyes. Yeah. Big it, it, round it eyes. It was weird. I was just like, what? I don't know where the water is for him to get to close to water because he's plainly not desiccated and dried out and dead. So Right. He, 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 he looked was very healthy. He looked fine to me. Yeah, he was really healthy. So Weird, weird, weird experience to see that. So then we went back. Yeah. And we slept until 11. Yep, as you do. As you do. <laughs> when you're doing Milky Way photography. Three or four. And that's one thing we should talk to the audience real fast about too. When they prepare, when you guys prepare for a workshop to do Milky Way, Drew and I really talked a lot about this and how maybe we need to prepare you guys more to either stay up later at night before your workshop for at least two or three days, get yourself conditioned because we're going to be out until three or four in the morning. And, And you wake up. You know, you if you're programmed to where it's like boom, you know, it's seven eight o'clock rolls around, you're like up, then you're gonna, you're be, gonna be dying. Next day. Yeah. yeah, especially when we go hike five six miles around in the desert. But right. uh, I mean, most people probably won't do that do on that. a workshop. No, no. But we'll do we'll do learning and stuff. But yeah, but it was it, it, yeah you you gotta stay asleep until late in the morning or else you're not gonna be able to handle multiple nights of of doing that. Okay. It's not going to work. So that was uh, our day one and night one of uh, Escalante. We'll come, we'll take a short break and we'll talk about day two and then we'll talk a little bit about gear time after that. Cool. Okay. 
So if you heard me ramble earlier on in the podcast episode about our workshops, if you're on the alert, workshopalert.photogadventures.com, you will be updated this Sunday, the 12th, by the mid- by night, because I still have some editing on the website to do. You'll be updated with our flash sale, $150 off of all of our workshops in 2019. So it doesn't matter what workshop you choose, you get $150 off if you buy it during those seven days from the 12th to the 19th. Hope you guys are considering joining us and you're considering joining us there. We're excited to have you guys join us for 2019 and we want to make sure that you guys feel rewarded for having the workshops out already with months and months and months of time to plan and a little bit of a discount to say thank you. Go to workshopalert.photogadventures.com to sign up for the email so you get notified and you get links to those actual workshop sales pages and join us in out, join us out there in Escalante, Goblin Valley, Goosenecks, Natural Bridges, Crater Lake, Bandon, all the coastline in Oregon, and more. And more. Hey, welcome back, guys, to segment two. We're going to talk about uh, Escalante some more on day two after waking up at 11 o'clock, having some good, decent sleep, a nice air-conditioned room, because that's what you want when you're out in the desert is a nice air-conditioned room that you can sleep through the morning and not be woken up from blazing hot sun. Um we decided to get some breakfast at yeah. the Outfitters that we normally do when, I, when, I, when Except we're Except there's there. only two people in there besides us. Yeah, so in the springtime, it there. was packed. <laughs> I mean, we were lucky if we got there in time to get one or two oatmeal, yeah. baked oatmeal. And I'm looking around, I'm like, I'm like, Drew, we better hurry because they might be at a baked oatmeal. And I get there, and there's like a whole pan left. I'm like, yeah. oh, there's nobody here. This is probably leftovers oh, from three days ago. They have plenty. <laughs> Let's have some. <laughs> yeah, so we, we grabbed that, and then we decided that we were going to head out. And it's Brendan and I, and I mean, I'm not super fit, but I'm, I like hiking and, and don't have a problem with, with that a little bit. But we... We decided that the on the ride down that we would go and try to hit some slot canyons, and I've done mm-hmm. like Antelope Canyon and and stuff before, and and uh, these slot canyons were a little different. So we 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 drive down. We decided that we were going to do um, Peekaboo slot, uh, Gulch, and that's what it's called, right? Peekaboo Gulch, Spooky Gulch, Spooky and Gulch, and Peekaboo slot. slot. That's yeah. it. And uh, and so we we head down there, and I I will tell you. You need a high clearance vehicle to get in there at all. Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, we got you know when we finally so you you head down the same main road down into where everything is off of that main road. Yeah, the, yeah. But you turn off and it's quite a drive off of there. It's probably mm-hmm. another twenty minutes or something. Yeah, and um and that's pretty rough terrain in there. You need you need something that's high clearance. It says on the sign too, high clearance vehicle. And uh, it looks like people had cut around yeah, the side. a couple of spots because it's probably full of water sometimes. Those, Yeah, those. and I think people have started cutting their own road, and it's making the park rangers mad, I think, because they... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, it's not... Yeah. That what, I, what we are saying is that if they wanted people to stop cutting their own road, they probably need to get the grader out there and actually make the other road even drivable mm-hmm. by... Cause, if that if those ruts were filled up with water, I I would have had to cut it even in in mm-hmm. a, a Durango. Right. Um, so we saw a lot of jeeps, yeah, uh, jeeps out there jeeps, and trucks. high clearance vehicles. Uh-huh. That, you know, naturally. So you pull up to the site, and um, there's a, a the trailheads there. And as soon as you get to the trailhead, you can see like you just walk like ten feet, and you can see the cliff. You know, you, you can off. see it, but it so you're you're going down, and it is confusing. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, we it's we not a actually trail. yeah. I mean, that I guess the problem when you're hiking in 
in Red Rock, and this is like probably 50% of the of the hike down into the wash where the canyons mm-hmm. run down into from the other side. Right. Because the so so we're hiking what we would be hiking north down into the wash and then the can the yeah, canyons run east and west yeah from canyons. further north so so we're so we get down into the wash that runs east and west and then the the canyons the sock canyons that we're going up into um and coyote gulch is further up right yeah and i i didn't see that that's like a three-day hike yeah it's, um the whole thing is really big and it's quite a hike to get in there yeah so so we didn't do that yeah so we, we opted did not out. do that but you get down there, and there was one point in time that Brendan and I actually went off the trail. And so we're hiking down, thinking we're just fine. And all of a sudden, we hear this voice from behind us. And he's like, uh, are you guys trying to get to Peekaboo? And, and, and Spooky, uh, if you spooky? want to do that, you want to go this way. And we're like, oh. Yes, that's what we want to do. We want to go that way. And the we were pro- heading to the right, and he was going to the left. We're like, oh, yeah, we're going the wrong direction. Well, it's frustrating. I think it would be really frustrating because I'm seeing all the time people are doing these stone cairns. Mm-hmm. And you think you're – I mean, the problem is is that there's too many of them. You don't know what they mean anymore. Yeah, people are not supposed to create their own cairns. Those are actually meant for the trail guides to build. And then you see these yahoos just building them like, oh, that sounds cool. I'll do some art too. And it's just like, that's not, that's not a, for you to do. It's not art. That's yeah. a trail marker. And so we, we were following one. And mm-hmm. fortunately, we, all of a sudden we hear this voice. Hey, are you guys going down to the other place? And we're like, yep. And he's like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you need to come <laughs> over here. And so we, we went and we, we met this guy. And yeah, he's a cool guy. He has this big, bushy white beard. Yeah, pepper and, pepper beard and and, and uh, bit, like gray hair coming out from under a mountain hardware hat and a yeah. nice new black diamond uh, backpack, uh, backpack and, a bright, and a blue, bright blue like golfer shirt. I don't think it's a golf. That was a it was a it was a I think it, it was a golf shirt, but it was like cowboy style golf shirt. No, he's a like biker, that. and so that oh, it, it was a biking I mean, shirt. That's what it was a collar and everything right. and buttons and some almost like Hawaiian design on the shoulders. But it was like dry. It was like quick dry. Yeah, material, quick dry. Though. It was it was a. It was a bike jersey. It even had the that's right. the pockets yeah. in the back. But yeah. we we start hiking with this guy down, and his name's Hartley. And we kind of got talking to him and stuff. And yeah, he lives out there basically. He, like he just drives all over the state. I think. And yeah. Just... So four years ago was his first year, and he did the whole year on a bike. Right. And then for the last three years, he's had an FJ cruiser that he turns into his. Uh, his parents live up in the Salt Lake area. Then he, and he'll then go he up there sometimes. His dad moved to California, though, back to California. Oh, I think he said he moved back at one point. And he, but anyways, yeah, anyhow, yeah. he's got so he's got this FJ Cruiser with a uh, like a rocket box on top, mm-hmm. and that's his camper. Yeah, and uh, and he was great. So we got talking to him, and he basically ended up being our guide because we'd never been down in there. Right, and he'd been down there many, many times, and so several times he's been down there. Yeah, and he's just like, hey, I just you know just kind of decided to come hike the you know slots, and it's like not the most ideal time. I mean, it was no. well after noon. It was probably yeah. like one o'clock. It was roasty toasty. On it was the way really down. hot. It was like ninety degrees outside. Yeah. Out in this red rock, and we're just walking around, and we saw a few other people, like some you know tourists. But as far as like the the parking lots, maybe two or three other cars. Yeah, there wasn't very many people there. And he was awesome, just to totally take us under his wing and just show us all the best ways to get to the slots and in and out and all that stuff. And and so it was cool. So there's two 
two canyons and you you can go up the one and down the other mm-hmm. or vice versa but getting into the canyon just to, like the first slot canyon depends on how the the soil has been yeah. washed during the r- rainy season or the, the you know when it, when there's a lot of water in there um it it depends on on how much dirt has washed up against it as to how high it is to climb up into because that, that was peekaboo that we got peek-a-boo. to first right yeah and it was so, muddy and you could see that like six inches of footprints mm-hmm. of people stepping through the mud yeah and getting in and out of there and animal prints too like there's cows and stuff down there and i think there's i think right there is normally it wasn't when we got there but i think that's one of the last places that water sits yeah oh and yeah so you could there there's this big mud hole with with big hoof prints and people's footprints and stuff and mm-hmm. he's like oh we're not going that way because you have to climb up into the canyon there and he's like it's a lot easier to climb out of that than into that yeah and it's so, like a seven foot rise yeah, yeah too. it's probably it seven tall. eight feet yeah so we cl- we so we keep hiking and you hike up another maybe 10 minutes up the gulch and then we got into uh uh what is it that's spooky first so we go up into yeah. Spooky and Spooky Slot Canyon. I mean, I think when you're in the West here, like Antelope Canyon is kind of the one everybody knows oh, of yeah. and sees oh, the yeah. pictures of. And it's beautiful. There's no question. And I've really enjoyed going down into Antelope. But A, there's a ton of people down there. Right. And and B, it's easy to get down in there because nothing ever gets so narrow. This thing... I, I mean, so I weigh like 210 pounds. I'm mm-hmm. too fat by about 20 pounds. But my gosh, there were places in here where I had to to get through. I had to, to suck in. It felt like it was maybe eight inches wide at yeah. its widest. Yep. And so I've got this beautiful, nice new Shimoda design bag. <laughs> yeah. And um, it doesn't look so new anymore now. It's got a couple miles on it. Yeah. Of course, my elbows have some mild. Look at that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, that red rock is like sandpaper. And so you're right. It, so but, if you scratch it, you scratch yourself really easily. But Hartley's leading us up into there. And he's like, I hope your arms are strong. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you're going to have to take that backpack off and carry it to your side for a lot of this. And I'm mm-hmm. like, really? And he was not lying. Did. I mean, we're, we're, like standing there, passing bags over our heads, trying mm-hmm. to get them through the the narrows in in the narrow spots. Because there's just enough for like your neck to fit through and your body to fit through, mm-hmm. and then like your bags gotta go like over your head because it's too wide yeah. to go through. Or the or hang it part. down by your feet. You know, it just right. depends on where it got tight. But but uh, he says that there's, there's actually some other slot canyons in there where you're crawling because you have to get down by the floor even to get through. Yeah. So, the, like, there's what was that one called? Dark Canyon or something? I'm like not that. sure what he, what remember. the name of it was, but he said there was another one there that was that was usually full of water too in some spots. And yet, yeah, you have to swim it. Yeah, I'm not. I was not interested in that. Not with my camera. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I have a Sony. I can't swim. Uh, you know, yeah, I think you have to have a Canon to swim. So what's funny is we both brought tripods, and I got to borrow your your other yeah. um, travel your travel tripod, which was carbon fiber, nice and light, and I was glad that I brought it, but uh, I was still cursing the fact that I had even a light little tripod. Yeah, like, we didn't even pull it out. We didn't even out. pull it out once. 
because it was just too tight. It it was. And you're just not going to take the really, time to set it up and everything. Yeah, it's just you, not. So so you're sitting there and you're trying to balance the ISO, and you have to get the ISO up a little bit because you know when you're down in those slot canyons. I mean, if it was you, bright, but it was not bright enough to really get a fast huge, enough shot. Really huge hold. dynamic range difference oh, because yeah. the sky is super bright, mm-hmm. and and then you're down in these dark, deep shadows that are down in the bottom of right. this big hole. And and so if anybody's ever gone and shot antelope, pay the extra fifty or sixty bucks and do the photography tour oh, because okay. they let you take a tripod down there and then you bracket stuff. That that I mean. I went down there when I was shooting down there. I had my um, 7D Mark II. Okay. And I still got great pictures because I was able to bracket. Right. Right. Um, but you get down here, and it's like, okay, how how are we supposed to get this dynamic range between the top and the bottom? Because you know, if by the time you're exposing for the shadows down in the bottom, the top is just straight blown out. Oh wide. yeah, yeah, it's just white, white. And yeah. then, and then you have to really go. Okay, so if I want to do a bracket, a handheld bracket where you're leaning against the side of the canyon <laughs> yeah. to try to hold it still enough, you, but you've got to get your shutter speed up enough and still gather enough light. Yeah. And so, and and you don't want to be at f two point eight because if you're at f two point eight, then you're gonna. I you're mean, gonna lose a lot of the detail. Yeah. What are you gonna do? And the Focus background. stack from from you know handheld. It's just not gonna work. So right, right. It was a little bit of a challenge in that slot being as tight as it was, but it was really fun. But mm-hmm. you know, I think I pushed up and I was probably shot most of that trip at about two thousand ISO. I I was yeah. I was gonna say I was about anywhere from eight hundred to two thousand, depending on yeah. where we were, and I was somewhere between f five point six and f eight. Yeah, for a lot of the shots too. What I did is is um, I I actually use the auto ISO for a lot of that. So oh, what okay. I do is I just push it up and I I you can set the camera to where it says okay maximum ISO is twenty five hundred because mm-hmm. I I just don't want it to get grainy, but um, I push it up to to where it was like okay let it be maximum twenty five hundred, and then let it choose as much as it wants to and. That worked pretty well for me when I got back. There are some shots that I'm a little disappointed with because I, you know, you you sit there and you go, okay, well, I need to I need to to HDR this, mm-hmm. and you go to to run your bracket and you haven't held it still enough, right? And you get the weird halo-y outline around an edge of a sharp edge, and yeah, it's like, and ah, I had that too. Dang it, it's ruined. Yeah. Well, but, I've had the halo show up on even a, uh, uh, on an edge that was tripod really held mm-hmm. um when i was down at uh, Kolob canyon there was a really strong example of that on the ridge line it was a very strong white solid halo going all the way across the whole you know top of the ridge line mm-hmm. at sunrise and i was like how in the world did that happen you know what i mean like my yeah. tripod was still and what what's funny is i actually ran a few months later i went back and i was like you know what? i'm gonna rerun this uh-huh. and i reran the hdr and something some change. I don't know if it was an update in the system of the software or something, but um, it had improved. Well, and I think that it's... And running a, it a second time fixed it. You know, it's important to mention that because see, sometimes, like, I I actually love Lightroom's HDR functionality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it Me does too. such a natural version of it. It's not garish. It's not... I mean, no... Right, right. People don't look at it, that and go, oh, that's HDR. Right. You know, they, you don't see it that way. And I don't... You know, that's not what I'm usually going for. Right. But 
Sometimes, you know, you got to remember that if the HDR or your panel functionality doesn't work in Lightroom, try it in Photoshop. Oh, okay. And, and sometimes if it doesn't work in Photoshop, I flipped over and I've run it in Aurora H- H- HDR. Oh, okay. and, yeah. And run yeah. it in Aurora, Aurora 2018 because all of them have slightly different math that's trying mm-hmm. to put the, the different exposures together and you'll get different um, results from the different programs. And sometimes if, yeah, if yeah. it's, I mean, I, honestly, um, doing HDR in, uh, in a situation like this in, in Lightroom is my go-to. Right. But if it doesn't work, then I, you just got to remember to try something else. And a lot of times something else will work. And sometimes you can rerun the HDR. You can run it five times before you're happy with the result. Yeah. It will give you slightly different results each time you run it. And so I usually like, I'll shoot five shots in, in the bracket and I'm, I'm shooting with the A7R3. I'm, I'm going, you know, okay. So really I just gathered 250 gigs. Right. Of uh, of data for one (laughs) stupid picture. And, and I'm going, you know, I wonder how, no wonder my drobos are huge. Uh, (laughs) Anyhow, but, but uh, sometimes I found another thing that you can do is you drop one of the, one of the uh, exposures. Yes. You don't need all five. I usually just run with three sometimes. Even if I did five, I'll pick three out of the five. Right. Right. But sometimes you sit there and you drop the top one. Sometimes you drop the bottom. Um, Sometimes I found that if I drop like like the second to darkest and and run the darkest still so I get some mm-hmm. real you know um, highlight pulled yeah. down with that yeah. but but I would suggest that people go ahead and screw around with that a little bit before yeah, you yeah. just give up and say ah this is blown and and one of the things that I've also noticed is remember that a lot of times your lightest picture is the one that had the longest shutter speed and sometimes it's if you if right? you drop the blur, the mm. the lightest one then the other ones are okay handheld yeah and so then then what you you do is is you just go ahead and you you know boost, boost it the shadows a little bit right? yeah I mean, and and, yeah. and manually fix that but if you drop the blurry one then all of a sudden now you can get a picture that looks good so anyhow we we were as we're hiking all the way up through here all uh, the only other people no, we, we ran we into a, a couple. German couple yeah, that were coming out of there down first. or Swiss or something. And, and they're like, we're done. Five? It's too tight. Yeah. they So they were like, ah, it's too tight. We're, we're, we're like, did you get all the way up through? And they're like, no, oh, we're turning really? they around. They turned around. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, wow. and so they, and Harvey's they, like, oh. <laughs> they gave up and, and, but we had to find notches in the side of the Canyon to step into in order to let people pass. It's like a yes. one, one lane road. Yeah. The, there was a little turnout, a little yeah. buys we could. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, and, and then we get a little further up in there and all of a sudden a family's coming down and, and there was a mom, two boys, a daughter, a dad, and a father-in-law or yeah. her, her father so it's six people and, and the daughter's probably 12 and the boys are under 10 yeah and dad's probably what 70 65 maybe? yeah the father is probably about 70 i think yeah and then the then the parents like, are like 40s and, yeah. i mean it, and i'm sure it was a little bit difficult to get through there but you you could get through there as a yeah. kid yeah I mean, all oh, those kids, people could yeah. get through there scrambling yeah. if you're a little heavier you don't want to go through there though yeah i mean literally it's too tight yeah if i was any bigger i would have a, a rough time you get stuck yeah you could get stuck in some yeah. some spots yeah but but they were coming through in there i mean there's some places where 
you know, the whole family get gets jammed up where they were passing us. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, lean against this side and you push with your back and then you walk down with your feet and stuff. Right. Because right. There, there was some serious little climbs in and there. And she was really skinny. And so it actually was harder at that point for her to get down than yeah. if you were a little bit bigger. Yeah. It's really right. interesting. Yeah. Y- 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 there are some places in there where it's just like, oh, I'm slipping. And you just inhale and you can jam yourself <laughs> in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, but, uh, I was looking at them and I'm going, you know, good for them. You know, holy cow, there's this family coming through. That's cool. And, and then spoiler alert, we run into them a little later. Yeah. We came back from the, from the Canyon. So, so, um, both spooky and, um, peekaboo had its own, their own like little set of challenges Mm -hmm. and their own little beauty too, because peekaboo was amazing i mean it we was. started in spooky and it was really cool and we got some cool shots but then once we got through peekaboo there was like arches inside yeah the slot canyon like four different ones and it was just gorgeous and it was just like i'm just my my mind just going 100 miles a minute like okay what's the best angle for this how am i going to really capture yeah. this like this is so amazing and like i don't even know how to even begin to to what's the best single like what do we do it's crazy that canyon was bigger but it had like three really tight spots yes the other thing that is is kind of interesting in that one i I mean between when we when you come out the top of either one of these you you understand each of these canyons has a drainage field Mm -hmm. that feeds it and has created that canyon Right. But you got to hike kind of up out and then across the desert and down mm-hmm. into the drainage for the other one. Yeah. And um, that's, that's a, I was glad Hartley was there with us. That was us. also another yeah. very sketchy part of the trail because it basically didn't exist. He just, you could find, I'm sure any, almost anybody could find it because you, yeah. you just get up there and you look for where water would go down. Right. True. True. As soon as you get, so, so you just have to hike back towards the other one. You just got to make sure that you, you're paying attention. I think, I think, we could have found it without Hartley, but it, mm, I'm it was glad he so was much there. better just to follow him. Yeah. So much easier. <laughs> and he hung out with us because he didn't have anything to do, and he wanted to be down in the Slot Canyon because it's cooler down there. Yeah, that's the thing. So it was perfect timing. Yeah, we seemed to really luck out with uh, those kind of situations, which I'm super grateful for. Yeah, either running into someone who's already been there, doesn't mind being a tour guide. Or someone just there to help us. It's just. It's it was funny. Awesome. He would just. We'd get to a new spot and he'd stop and he'd sit down and then we're like, I wonder what he said. Oh, that's why. He's like, yeah, I, he'd stop because he's like, he he's knew, like, taking he photographs of this place we too. Gonna take the pictures. He's like, out. I'm in a rest now. You guys are want to like want to get your cameras out. We're like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, is awesome. And and you're laying on your back and sand is kind of drifting down from like the wind blowing sand down on you from other spots i i got some good pictures where i'm laying on my back but i've got sand granules on the lens i oh, can wow. see so oh. i can see the little wow. circles yeah. but but uh but the the arches in there were incredible there's two yeah. that are really big and then another two that are right next to each other the little teeny little guys yeah they can either crawl up and over or under and it was just awesome yeah, it's like it was a little playground. Feet, it was so rad. Foot and a half tall on one of them. Yeah, and, like off the bottom. It's like a like kind of like a drain plug on the, right. the bottom of where the water would come out. Right. But the the insides of those canyons are all just all swirls and eddies and and the sides of the canyons are carved out and you see these lines on on the sides where yeah. stuff has been shoved through there. And, right. 
and then rock falls that that have gotten all jammed in there that you're climbing up through to get out of the one and yeah I, yeah I, that was the end of um spooky right uh, yeah yeah so you have to climb through this big jumble of rocks to get up out of there but it was i mean it's beautiful slot canyons are just beautiful it was beautiful if you're claustrophobic i would recommend not doing it um I don't have that problem. Neither does Drew. I was so yeah. excited to get into a slot canyon. I haven't been in a slot canyon in probably more than 20 years Yeah, since I've been in a real slot canyon since I was a teenager. And so actually it was 50. Holy uh, cow. Was honestly, if, if, if there's <laughs> any... 20 years ago. <clears throat> if there's any question about whether you're going to freak out in there or not, go do Antelope Canyon first. Because there's somebody that's always coming through, somebody with you, and there's stairs to get down into the floor yeah. of it now, yeah. and and Just so to much get more out. And it, it, I mean, there's more people for sure. And if you go on the shoulder seasons, it's not nearly as as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you know, kind of pay attention to like around Christmas or right now in the summertime. The thing that's kind of cool in the summertime too with that one is that the sun will get to where it's shining directly down into there. And yeah. I think that these are kind of oriented the same way, but they are so narrow that the sun really doesn't get down the same way. I don't think so. Or or if, you know, one of the things I thought about is like maybe we came too late to have sun shafts come through. We have to go like maybe earlier in the morning yeah, and start that maybe around 8 or 9 a.m. Yeah. and then see if the light um, happens to shine down in there. My you know, earlier in the day. High sun is better because you want the light to come through. If you're on the early morning, you'd just be in shadow. Yeah, maybe that's true. It's but hard if to it say because around... we were there in the afternoon and it didn't. We didn't really didn't see any light shafts oh, through at all. Afternoon, you think midday? I think we, we there, like, started two. at two o'clock. Yeah, and we were probably there until six, six. or seven. Yeah, might have just but, missed it. But you, you know, the other thing that you guys will have will have to hit at a different point is the mouth of Peekaboo. Peekaboo, we got down to there and it opens up enough. And we did, I did open up my AR for yeah. photo pills. And, there's and cool. the mouth of Peekaboo does open up. But this time of year, the Milky Way lines up with the opening of the canyon. It's Ooh. It would be really And it's really like we could light cool. the inside of the canyon and then get the Milky Way outside. Could be amazing. Yeah, one of those ones where Maybe you see... Um, no, not at, especially if not capable. at night. At, at night. Not workshop capable, the, no. Honestly, yeah. that... Well, if you That'd don't go through it, you could That's do true. the workshop. If we can bring a little ladder and just boost it yeah. like six feet, then it would be like a little portable ladder. Because the that mouth be of ideal. that canyon where it lines up that could work. is yeah. where the mud is. So you would right. you would need to carry like something. like, like a little Well, the mud ladder. was dry though. We noticed that in, yeah, the, in it August wasn't. it actually was totally solid. We could walk on yeah. it, but it didn't look solid. Mm. We didn't actually test it. If you first stay on the edge, it. you're okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but but it would be really, really photogenic with the Milky Way because the Milky Way would line up to where you'd have the core right out the door and then you would have looking out the top of the canyon and out mm-hmm. of the front of the canyon, you'd have the whole thing. It would be it would be amazing, really okay. amazing. And I don't know if anybody's ever got that shot before, so and, I was thinking that would be cool. And the big arches yeah. are just a little further up. Right. You could get to the big arches from that point you know, without going easily. all the way through. Yeah, very easily. Because yeah. the, the super skinny spots are further up that canyon. Yeah, the canyon really opens up wide at the end there, so. Yeah. So, so I mean, it was it was awesome. It was a great experience. I got a million shots out of there, and yeah. I've I've edited some of those, um, and I put them on Facebook and my website. But um, so we'll include those in the show notes. Okay, yeah. Some of my shots I get yeah. added as well. Yeah. And 
but um, then we then we walked out of there, and this is where it starts getting really interesting. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, it was hot. It's, it's you know, you get out of there, and even at six o'clock at night, it's got to be at least ninety two degrees. Oh, it was probably clear ninety six, ninety five yeah. degrees even. Yeah. yeah, and and I had two bottles of water when I went down in there. They're both mm-hmm. probably liter and a half. And there's a warning that says make sure that you're taking two liters of water for each person going down there. Yeah, and I didn't. I took two probably a little bit more I than one liter yeah three at and, best. and we're only but i figured you know there's no, going to be people half. that are down here a lot longer than we are so yeah. i wasn't that worried about it and i drank a lot before i left but when i was hiking out i had saved the last half of the bottle of water for myself yeah. hiking out of there and i i was faint coming out of there myself wow. and and i mean i'm not in great shape but i'm i'm okay but I was kind of, whoo, you know, I mean, I'd have to stop and put my <laughs> put my head down lower and stuff because right. my, my pack was too much, too. Your I, pack was insanely heavy. Yeah, it took too much stuff with me. I had actually done a bunch of exercising beforehand. I'd go up to this canyon by my house like almost every week and spend hours sweating like crazy mm-hmm. up there and just really trying to get in shape. And so my luckily I was actually in pretty good shape. I felt pretty good about the whole thing. And I grew up in that area. I mean, I grew up in that kind yeah. of too, so. But then but, there was um, Hartley, who was like he was patient just like, with us, and he was like a mountain goat. Yeah, he know? was. He's he was like, a pro, he was probably ten years your senior, yeah. and he was just like bup, 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 and just like <laughs> just yeah. like no big deal. He was just awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> so, so we get to the top. We get to the we get to the we start setting things up to go right. Uh huh. And then the, then this mom that we saw coming back, she, she pulls up in a jeep with the two little boys, like really fast and really she's frantic, frantic, almost in tears. I mean, literally freaking out and she's like did you see these people down there she's like i've been did you see my husband and my dad and my daughter were like uh no nope. no we haven't seen them at all we saw you guys at the beginning of our hike and that's it that's and all so she she's like well we couldn't find the trail out of the wash and so so she took like a beeline up she this bushwhack hill and and, and the they two little boys down. did too but I don't know why they split up. You never split up when you're in the in the desert like that. I, yeah, that's a I, bad idea. I, I don't. There's I don't no know cell they reception. They should have all just gone and looked a little bit more. I don't know though. It's, I mean, it's tough. There's it's no, disorienting, is what it is. Yeah, you come out of the canyon and you don't. You can't remember which way is which. Well, it's because right in the middle of the wash, it's almost like there's this gigantic sandbar that's got bushes and stuff mm-hmm. growing on it, and you can't see that you really should go back the other way. Right. And and Hartley says people go the wrong way there all, all the, the time. time. He's like, yeah. I would guess that they're up this other direction. And so we're like, oh and I'm I'm going, you know, I'm I was nearly dead coming out of there. It was it was a lot for me. I couldn't have done it again. Yeah. And I'm going, I can't go save people down there. And Hartley's like, I, I got it. He's, so he's got water and he's filled up all the bottles and he's getting a backpack ready and stuff and he's gonna go back down there. And search and for him. Search for him because she's gone halfway down the canyon, but she's got these little boys with her a couple of times looking for him. And she's going, they ran out of water three hours ago. And and there's like, they don't have any water to come out of there. And, and I don't know where they are. And right. she's freaked. And I'll tell you, no water down there for three hours. I, I don't, I mean, I, I literally, I would wait down there until the middle of the night and then I would climb out and take an hour and a half climbing out right because the the climb out in 90 plus degree heat will drain you so fast yeah and and um i mean i don't think they had any big bags but they 
they had run out of water. Right. And so we're we're walking back to our car, and Hartley's getting ready to go down there, and we're kind of feeling stupid because we'd like to help, but and there's no like, way yeah, we're we can do, do it. it. And um, it, and so I get back to the car, and I'm like, "Wait, Brandon, I've got I've got the Inspire two in the car here. I actually had the Phantom four as well in the car, and." Because I had checked, and I, we were going to try doing drone Milky Way photography when we were out there. We never mm-hmm. really got We never to did, that. did we? Yeah. But um, so I brought them with me just in case. And, and I'm like, wait a second. So we drive up from where we're parked up to the other parking lot yeah. where the trailhead was. And and I get him out. And I'm like, where's Hartley? And he's like, he started down. I'm like, Hartley. So we get out and we yell for him. And he comes back. And I'm like, dude, I've got a drone here. Let's, Let's locate them first. Then you can where them do off. you think they are? Look over my shoulder. And so, um, so we set the drone up and there's a, there's quite a few people up at the top there that are yeah, talking and, and worried about this. And so we set the drone up and we fly it off and we start looking down in, in, in the, the wash canyon, the in the wash the canyons, right? The Hartley's looking over my shoulder cause he's been there and he's like, people always go up here and they shouldn't, they, you know, I mean, eventually I mean, if you're healthy and normal, I think you could work Figure your it out, way out. Figure out, turn around, and come back, right? Yeah. Um, but we found them, and they were walking the wrong way, kind of. And um, so they did stop. They looked like they were actually waiting, and then they actually we saw them waving their hands, like they knew the drone had found them. You know, and they're like so excited, it's like, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yes. And and so I'm kind of circling around, and then they walk over directly underneath the drone, so I could tell that they were just waiting. So I point the camera down. I tried to go down lower, but that I would lose connection because yeah, you're dropping you're down, down into line of sight into mm-hmm. a canyon. And so I just, I'm like, how can I tell them just to stay there? And so I just stayed and hovered until the battery low signal clicked. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the, and they stayed right there. And if they started walking off, I'd move the drone with them. So they, the, so if they started moving one way or another, I would stay right were on you top of them. Hurting them like you were hurting. Kind them? of, kind of, kind of trying to do that because I I wanted them to know that they should just stay there. But how do you? It's not like a drop or like send a megaphone down Warning. there or something. Yeah. Do not leave. But Hartley knew right where they were because of that, so he didn't point, have to he search a lot. He just beelined it. And so he, yeah, so he had a backpack full of water, and he he just beelined down there. And, and then we were like, okay, I guess our job's done. So we went back and we got, we packed up, we went back and got dinner. And then we, we headed back out there to go to dance hall, to go to dance hall. And right as, as we, um, about halfway to dance hall. Yeah. We, we saw see them. them we saw out. them with two Jeeps. We saw both so their they, Jeeps they, driving. Everybody like, got out yes. of there. <laughs> totally successful. They're back on the road. They're heading back to their hotel. They have a lot of good stories to tell their friends when they get home. <laughs> well, it was it was kind of cool, you know, because here we are flying the drone, and she's like, we find him, and she's like, you saved their lives. Yeah. And mom's like, oh, my gosh, you guys, you've saved their lives. She starts, like, all tearing up and, and stuff. Spoiler National alert, we got that on video. Yeah. <laughs> so. And you broke National Monument rules to do it. But you know what? No, no, no actually. actually that, it's national. It, it, that down there is managed by the BLM. It's totally fine to fly the drone down there. National Monument of Escalante asks you not to fly a drone. That's all I mean. Whether or not that you guys should, I think you guys absolutely should have flown the drone, but they say not to. Huh. I've, but, I haven't seen anything. I did a bunch of research because you had said that before, and I wanted to make sure because national parks, for sure, you can't fly a drone. Right. 
I mean, I've got a Part 107 license, and I've been doing this for quite it's a while. It's just in the paperwork for our permit, and I just thought. That well, I think you're. I wonder if your permit is. It's just like there are some things when you do as a group yeah. that they don't want you to do. Uh, it, like that, if you're just an, an, individual, amateur, an individual, it's like it tripods be. at Zion's. You know what I mean? You can take a, but they don't want a group of people with tripods. Yeah. Right, during right. The day an individual can take a tripod, but not a workshop. Which so is I, it might be something like that because I did my homework and I looked into it before I went. Because I, I I am not one of those guys that breaks the rules as far yeah, as yeah, there's really nilly just gonna go and do and, it. Right? And so I, I, um, like literally the Lake Powell is a national recreation area, and people fly drones there all the time. And the fact that there's a drone, like you have to get a permit, that's managed by the National Park Service, which is crazy. Because you have to get, a, they treat that the same way they would treat, that they like treat Yosemite or something. Yosemite, yeah. which is dumb, but because you're, they're so few and far between, and you're way out there. Oh, yeah, it's but, so huge too. But um, there are national monuments. There are ten national monuments that are on the list of these are not areas to fly. So, like yeah, that well, there's like uh, like. Well, I don't, they are. I, they're definitely. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean that. I don't know where all of them are because I didn't. Look, I I know that like um, the heads in North Dakota, um, you can't fly there. You can't fly mm. um, the Statue of Liberty. It now is a national monument where they say nope. This is on the list as a no fly zone. Okay. You cannot well, fly there. Yeah. So they've got ten different ones across the country that are national monuments that you can't fly. But the other places, especially if they're managed by the BLM, it's fine to fly there. So sure. I I. I I do my homework before I go, and uh, I, I could not find anything that said that it wasn't cool to fly so down there better. in Escalante. So. Then we can include the video in our YouTube, and you can see the family getting rescued. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm I so excited to put that video together. I wouldn't worry <laughs> about it. As a matter of fact, I will – I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't fly beyond line of sight, but here I did. And um, to rescue someone just slightly, I mean, just slightly. It was just it was just barely too too far. But the thing is, is man, if there's somebody down there and it's kind of a life and death situation, I or potentially so, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't Mm -hmm. know any better. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna push it, and I've got a big patch antenna on Ascendance Remote for the for the Inspire Two, so it'll push it way out if it needs to. So it's a freaking great story, though, what you guys had. So that's awesome. Oh yeah, it's a great way to end the whole story. Yeah, so you know, we saved the family. It was fantastic, and uh, it it really ended up our ended our trip well. Um, the last part of that day was at Dance, Dance Hall, Hall Rock. Rock. Um, we pretty much set up lighting and everything the same as we did um, for our workshop. Um, we had a couple of lights off to the side, bouncing off the big rock to shine up yeah. on the background. Had a foreground light set up, and then a couple smaller lights just to. Um, balance things out a little bit and then we drop the your led panel down, down the, the hole, hole. Yeah. but he, here's the thing that i i want to go ahead and emphasize considering it's my first time out there and i don't know that you guys you know you've been out there several times to the point where you're like eh, yeah it's, it is what it is this thing is crazy i mean that it, that the topography <laughs> in that area either. we just took them straight there at oh, night it the, it the topography is nuts you have i mean there's the hole with the tree in it and mm-hmm. that's cool but, but there are holes. holes where you could put like 10 tour buses yeah. in and there, I mean, it's like 200 feet to the bottom of this hole that's mm-hmm. made out of red rock. Yeah. And down at the bottom, there's a grove of trees and there's, you know, like, and there's no way in or out. And without, there, there's like, no yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, you, you would have to rappel down into there, 
but it, it's enough spot. That, I mean, you could put like a whole campground down oh, yeah. to the bottom of yeah. there with all the tent sites and everything. But you would have to literally, they'd have to cut stairs in the side of there to get down there. There's no way in or out. And it it's like cliffs all the way around these holes. And there are a lot of those out there. Oh, where you're, so many. So that I was bewildered the last time I went exploring a little bit yeah. in the daytime. I just kept seeing over and over and over again these holes and there's just there there's like hundreds of them yeah you're and you're walking so you're walking around on on these big huge like sandstone mounds. sandstone <laughs> mounds and cliffs that that you know you'll have like one hole on one side and one hole on the other side and and the tops of the trees i mean there's these big huge cottonwood trees that are down mm-hmm. there and and the tops of the trees are kind of even. Sometimes they're even with the top of the hole. Sometimes yeah. they're way down there. Yeah. So there's yeah. A, you know there's a hundred foot tree that the top of the tree is a hundred feet below the top of where you're standing on the on yeah. the red rock. Yeah, it's it, nuts. It's, it it was it's weird. It's it's eerie kind of. I mean, I've never You've seen anything like that. Gotta go in the daytime. Like we gotta take you next time and go there in the day because you can really get a better scale and a better sense of what. It's so cool. Is. It's so cool. If anybody um, so wants to world. come out there, here's here's the thing that's really cool, is that a lot of these areas you could go do by yourself once you've been there, mm-hmm. but there's no way in hell I would go wandering around there without somebody <laughs> that doesn't know what they're doing yeah, yeah. Uh, and doesn't know where the stuff is to go set up and look at going on. I mean, come on. You, you come out, you go on one of these workshops with these guys not only will they help you go ahead and and deal with your camera settings and everything they'll show you where everything is and then you could go back with your family later and that's right. totally fine but you right. need you need somebody to show you where the stuff is from a photographer's mindset and perspective to begin especially with. in that area especially yeah. in um yeah it could be I dangerous. mean Devil's Garden's easy yeah. you can anybody can pull up and start taking pictures of Devil's Garden but um Dancehall Rock yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a oh, fifteen there's all mile kinds of places walk. Like that, yeah. Yeah, and there's a fifteen mile walk from the car to the spot where we want to take. And even though I recorded on my tracks on our last trip, yeah, I had the whole track. I still got last lost twice. You said fifteen mile. It's not fifteen miles. 15 it's fifteen minutes. minute, fifteen, 15 twenty minute minutes. Walk, yeah, yeah. Um, and I can beeline it. You can beeline it in like eleven minutes, which is what I did. Right. And I had it recorded. And even then, I was not trusting the track. And I was trusting like my own instinct and I was like, but things look different for some reason than they did in the spring. And I'm like, okay. And I ended up turning around and I'm like, and we could, we turned completely around and I was like taking them back to dance hall rock. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, uh, I think this He's like, is, this is dance hall rock. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what in the world? <laughs> like it was so disorienting. So I'm like, okay, I'm totally focusing just on my GPS. I'm going to follow my trails. And, and the, it was the, fine, you know. And then it's fine. Then we got there just fine. It, it, and it, it was, oh my gosh, it was nuts. Here's another thing: don't go out there if you've not been, if you're not really familiar with this area. Do not go do this at night by yourself. No, do way. not. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean if you if you tripped or fell into something without oh somebody gosh, being able to, be dead. I mean, we no were talking about you. it. I was like, I, I was like, Brendan, if you fell in there, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even, I, I might yell and say, Hey, are you alive still? <laughs> But I would go get the car and I'd drive back. As a matter of fact, you know, that's something else to think about is that if you only have one car set of car keys, can you imagine if your car keys went down the hole? Right. I imagine Brendan going right. down a hole with the car keys. All, all the time. time. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a way that I'm dreaming about it. It's the sheer death of it. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm like, crap, where's Brendan? He sees yeah. him on the edge and he's like, oh, crap, give me the keys, man. Because <laughs> you, are, you are literally, you're out of cell phone range. 
Yeah. And you're too far out to be able to do anything. And, you know, if somebody fell in a 200-foot hole, the only thing you do is you turn around and you drive back and go get some help. Yeah. That's the the only thing you can do. The one thing I can recommend is we've been recommended is that spot GPS system. Yeah. Where it literally will send out an SOS through GPS satellite, and that way people can actually ping you and find you. We really should get one of those. I yeah, mean, just you should. Good things about those. Time, tip of the week. I like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, you should um, get, get that. The other thing you should do is I think you should have a big climbing rope in the car. Not a bad idea either. Uh, I've actually brought rope with me. A, a harness times. and a big climbing rope. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us for part two. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll come back for gear time and tip of the week. So if you're already thinking, man, I wanted to go to Dance Hall Rock, I wanted to do this, you can do it, and you can do it with a sweet discount. Crater Lake Abandon is a 1050 workshop, and you get a $150 discount on that. Oh, okay, 900 bucks to go for four nights, Crater Lake Abandon in the coast, that's amazing. And then the last one is the Oregon Coast Milky Way workshop up there, Abandon and Thor's Well and other areas we're gonna go. That's $600, so $150 off, 450 total if you buy next week. So right now, if you listen to this podcast, and it's between August 12th and August 19th, make sure you sign up for the workshop alert because I'll send it out every night just to remind you guys because you can't go to photocadventures.com adventures and see the workshops at all. Not until the 19th will I even put those on the website. This is just for you guys who've always been following us and always been listening. So thanks so much. Hey, welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. Now we're going to talk about gear, do some gear time and then talk about tip of the week. Um, on gear time today, I want to just do a little, uh, well, I had some issues with my sensor. Okay. It was really dirty. I had noticed that every time I took a daytime shot spots everywhere, as soon as I did any dehazing or any clarity, oh my gosh, it would drive me nuts. I'd have so much spot removal. It was insane. And then I, then I had noticed recently that a big one on the right hand top corner was showing up on my shots and I switched. I I mean, I did a, I did a, a hike and I did three different lenses on top of this hill and every single one had these spots. I was like, okay, this is not a lens thing. Clearly can tell now this is totally on my sensor. And so when I was talking to Drew on the way down, I'm like, Hey, I brought my sensor cleaning kit. And he's just like, Oh, well let's try this thing first. Yeah. See one of the things, I mean, I've, I've tried to clean my sensors and I've gotten to where I can do it, but sometimes it, it, I, and let me say this, if you're going to do a wet clean of your sensor, do not, put too much of the fluid on there because the thing is is that just enough to make it damp right oh like one drop like literally one drop because the problem is is that it it makes it so that like when you lift it up at the edge of the sensor if you have any more than you're supposed to have then it will leave a little a line where that stuff has evaporated and so they're not really spots they're kind of like a a little tiny bit residue darker spot, kind of a residue, yeah, yeah. And and I'm using the right stuff, you know. I've got the it's Eclipse fluid that I mean, it, you know, it's it's good stuff. But what I what I decided, and here's the thing: with mirrorless cameras, the sensor is exposed when you change all the time, right? Change yeah. the lens, and and so a couple of things: be careful and don't change your lens when it's really dusty out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the one thing. Um, the other thing that I always tell people to do is if you change your lenses, when it is dusty out, if you've got to change them, hunch over the top of your camera and change your lens with the sensor facing down. Right. Instead lens of up, up. Sensor down. Yeah. Lens up, sensor down, and use your body to shield the, the, the lens mm-hmm. itself. And Not I, a bad idea. I've had to be careful because the 
with the Inspire 2, it's the same thing. It's basically a mirrorless camera mm-hmm. that's carrying on the front, and it has interchangeable lenses, so I worry about it as well. But the the new camera that I've got, the old camera had a micro four-thirds sensor, and the new one has a crop sensor. And so, you know, I mean, I've had to have, like, lens cleaning wipes for all the different sizes, oh, and it's just right. a pain in the butt. Right. And And so what I have done with my Sonys now... I've never wet cleaned them at all, ever. Because you bought something yeah. that's different. This is the gear time, right? Yep. This is the thing. Yep. Is there's this thing that's it, it it's a a tool that's a brush and the dang thing costs like a little over a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. It's called the Arctic Butterfly. And it, it you look at it, the the brush is white. Mm-hmm. But it's a white bristle brush. And it, it you the handle of the thing. So it has a couple of LEDs that shine down next to the Which brush. Is also great. Yeah. So you can see what you're, you, you can a lot, a lot of times you can see the dust on this specs on the sensor, but the, the whole advantage to this dang thing. And the reason it's so expensive is you flip a switch and you turn it on and it shakes and it shakes that, it spins, brush. right? Like it spins around in a circle? Mm, I don't does think it... it I, I think it just goes back and forth. It just shakes. Mm. It shakes to the point that what it's doing is it's building a static charge on the bristles of the brush. And it also flings off whatever was yeah. there before. Right, right. right. So yeah. once you do it... so It's almost like a hypersonic kind of... Yeah. yeah. And and so when you know when you start, the bristles are kind of all close together. Mm-hmm. You You turn it on, you leave it on for... 10 or 15 seconds and the bristles are all spread apart because mm-hmm. they're all that static they have a really, static yeah. charge to each other but that that static charge so between the fact that you're brushing across the sensor which disturbs the dust a little bit mm-hmm. and that the bristles now have a static charge on them that attract the dust that's great then it pulls it all off and the only situation where you need a um a wet clean of your sensor is like if you were on a boat and you got like a little, like a salt dropper right. or something like right. that on there. If you got something wet that's stuck on there, then you're still going to need that. But right. if you, if you've got just, if it's just dust, it did it work? Yeah. So after you did that treatment and, and you just brushed it twice, that's all you did. You brushed it across, across the sensor twice. And I had blown out with the blower my uh-huh. sensor before and I even brushed it with something else before and they didn't do any make any difference whereas this thing the next day I took all those pictures in the canyon and not a single dust spot I wow. was just like yes this is yeah. amazing I was like surpri- my sensor is clean this is great I was actually surprised it got everything off because yours is so dirty oh I, yeah it was I'm crazy a dirty surprised it got everything off I couldn't see I, I mean I even took a picture of my sheets that very second uh-huh. with another lens and I couldn't see anything Wow. And I was like, this is looking really good. Then the daytime shots, nothing. That's like awesome. it was just glorious. So thanks guys for joining us for this podcast. Um, tip of the week is get a spot thing. If you're going to go out and uh, do a spot GPS yeah. um, thing. and uh, spot thing? I don't understand. Well, it's called spot, right? I think yeah, it, it's the a, product name is called spot and it's a GPS locator slash emergency like broadcaster. So type what it does thing. is it has inside of it it has uh uh you know the sim cards and stuff that work with with all the cell phone companies and with the um with the gps satellites themselves i believe yeah well i i i actually think that it's hooked up to the iridium satellites too i think that's really what it's doing so it's sending a signal out through satellite but it's not 
it's not the kind of you know it's using just the the text message mm-hmm. capability yeah, text, of that yeah. rather than being able to talk on it mm-hmm. they have some that i've heard about where you could actually record a short message in it it's almost like a pager but it's not a right, phone and right. you can actually talk through it a little bit um and i've heard about those too but i don't know what i can't remember off the top of my head that company but spots what it does is it pushes it you can actually like you can put a short text message in there mm-hmm. like somebody fell you know, send such and such. And, and when you push that button, it, it geotags your location at the same time. So it tells you, tells the rescuers or whoever you're telling, come get me. So this is really where cool. we are. Really cool. If you're going to go out and explore on your own and you have risk of falling or risk of being lost like that, then this is a great device to check out. Um, I know several people that have it and they say they won't go anywhere without it. And so it's something you should uh, loot. Peace Maybe of you can mind. Put a link, put a link in the Happy. show notes. And uh, yeah, guys, thanks for joining us. It's been a great podcast. We had a great experience out there in Escalante. And please join us if you have any inclination to come and visit this amazing place. Uh, join us on our website. Go to photogadventures.com and check out more about this. Thanks, thank guys. You, Drew. Thank you, thanks, Drew, for, Drew, for yeah. joining us. It was fun to go out with you. And uh, we'll catch you guys later. Have a good week. See ya.